Good morning, and thank you, Sharon. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We welcome you all today to First Church, um, and those listening on the radio as well. And we're glad to have everyone with us on Pentecost Sunday. Um, I do have a few announcements this morning. Um, First of all, uh, Lee Clousing, who is 81, passed away at his home in St. Mary's on Friday, May 18th. He was confirmed here at First Church. Viewing will be at Miller's um, Funeral Home, Salina Road, on Tuesday from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8. And services will be at St. Paul's and St. Mary's on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. There will not be a congregational meeting today following worship. Um, It will be rescheduled for a future date to allow the trustees and the consistory to continue researching um, different heating system options. The Agape service day originally scheduled for May 24th will be rescheduled to August when they will begin working on the weekend warrior bags. The summer mission trip youth um, will be packing bags at Agape on July 11th in the morning, and all would be welcome and encouraged to join them with that. We welcome today uh, Mark Bird from Revive Ohio this morning, and he will be sharing his ministry with us later in the service. Um, Also, just a reminder that the last day for Sunday school until fall will be June 3rd. And I believe Tori has an announcement as well. Good morning. So today is our taco bar for the mission trip fundraiser. And right now we have 27 people going on this trip. Um, And when I say trip, I mean going and serving with us throughout the week. And so it's going to be a really exciting time. There's a lot more information coming out in the newsletter this summer or this month. So when you get that, be sure to look in that. And if you would like to help in any way um, or come serve alongside of us, you are more than welcome. This is not just a youth trip and we don't want it to be just a youth trip. So if you have some time during the week of July 8th through the 12th, um, come serve with us. We would love to have you. But um, hopefully after this church service, you might smell the taco bar as you walk across the street. Um, and we hope that you will join us for lunch. There are, um, you can eat in with us or you can uh, carry out as well if you do not want to stick around. But it's for, it's donation only. Um, so give as you feel led and come enjoy lunch on us. Thank you. Now, if you'd all like to rise and join in the call to worship. From Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. And we'll sing the praise song, Blessed Be Your Name.
as the children come forward for children's chat, greet your neighbor and uh, welcome everyone here. Thanks. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. All right. Well, I brought something with me in my bag. Okay, just a minute. Do you see my ball? You do? You don't see my ball? Well, it's a red ball. It's right here in my hands. Don't you see it? You don't see it? Watch. Watch my ball. I'm going to throw it up. It's right there. See it? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it up again. I'm gonna throw it see how high I I'm gonna try to catch my ball in my bag. You think I can catch the ball in the bag? You don't think I brought my ball? You don't? Well it's right here. It's not there? Okay, watch, I'm gonna throw it up. See? It's right there. It's not in there? It's not in there? Oh. Well, you know, there's something else in our life that's kind of like that. It's called the Holy Spirit. Okay? Can we see the Holy Spirit? No, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but it, it is everywhere with us. Our Holy, the Holy Spirit is what helps guides us. It's that little voice we hear in our head sometimes that is telling us, that's really not the right thing to do. Or sometimes I think that Holy Spirit is reminding me of things that I'm supposed to do that I think I've already done. And I don't do it. And then I realize, huh, that was God. He was telling me I was supposed to do that. And I didn't listen. Yep, that happens. So today is Pentecost. Today is the day that the Holy Spirit came down on the believers as part of God's plan. And the Holy Spirit is part of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we can't see the Holy Spirit, just like you couldn't see my ball that is right here in this bag. It's right there. Just like you couldn't see it. The Holy Spirit is everywhere around us. It is wherever we go. That's why we say Jesus lives in our heart. Jesus is everywhere. It's the Holy Spirit that is with us everywhere we go. Okay, And so today is the day that we remember that. The day of Pentecost. Okay? So we need to remember that, you know, no, Jesus in his human form is not in our heart. Because our heart isn't big enough for a man to be in there, is he? No. But the Holy Spirit is in there. And that is part of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is the part of God that is with us. The Holy Spirit. And we can't see it. But it's with us wherever we go. Okay? So let's say a prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for sending your Son into the world for each one of us. Thank you for to the day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Maria. Just want to take a moment and, and just mention, you know, week in, week out, Jay comes up here and shares the names of soldiers and, and military personnel who have given their lives in this past week as part of 
protecting and serving our country. And we don't always stop and, and pause and thank God for the weeks that Jay doesn't have any names to share, um, which is this week is one of those weeks. So, so praise God that, that those who are serving our country and, and are putting their lives on the line this week have been protected and have been safe and are, are still with us. So let's thank God for that. Before we go into prayer, I do want to invite Mark Bird forward. Uh, Mark's a familiar face. Uh, he has been here before, and, and, and he is serving currently with Revive Ohio. Um, you're the director? Can I, is, that, is that the title of that? Hey. And whatever you want to call yourself, you can explain that. But he is serving with Revive Ohio and, and uh, their ministry here. You know, they were in Auglaize County, I believe, uh, a little over a year ago now, a year and a half ago or so. Um, but they've been continuing their ministry throughout Ohio, and he's going to share a little bit about that with us this morning. So, Mark, take it away. Good morning, church. We are so happy and thankful to be here with you, especially on the Pentecost Sunday. It's a, it's a getting, uh, so one year ago we were in Texas learning how to do this. And here we are today back in, back in our home area. And we're so grateful to be before you today. And what I wanted to share with you is what has been going on. So you guys have been so supportive of us through prayer and financially as well. And we wanted to come back and share with you what the Lord has been doing. Uh, and uh, I was thinking back when I was a younger child and thinking about what a missionary was. My thoughts were you had to go to Africa or a far away land to be a missionary, and I was like never interested in that. So standing before you today, it's kind of an interesting thing. Here I am as a missionary now, but I'm a missionary to America. And so what I wanted to share with you guys this morning is, how many of you think we need missionaries in America in these days? Right. We read about all that's going on in the United States and all the school shootings and all the things happening. And I'm convinced now more than ever exactly why the Lord has called us, because we need missionaries right here on our hometown. Right. And that's what you guys have helped us do. I wanted to share a couple stats with you guys of what has been happening since we were in Auglaize County as Revive. And now we are just continuing to walk across the state of Ohio and share the gospel, the good news with people right in our backyards. For the first time ever in history, with the population growth in the United States, church growth is not going the same direction. So what I mean by that is the population is growing in the United States, but church attendance is declining. So what is happening is there's even more of a need for missionaries right here in our backyards. So as we've walked across, um, our state team, as Joel has shared, uh, I am a co-director for, um, our state team has now been in four counties uh, that we've ran these uh, outreaches by ourselves. And uh, I wanted to share some stats. The number of people that have been trained as disciple makers, because one of the things that we do after we share the gospel with this Bible in the wristband is we ask congregation members to be individual disciple makers, to walk beside people to help them grow in their faith. And we have done that to the tune of 445 individual discipleship uh, relationships that we've helped to create so that 445 people are being individually discipled by people just like you sitting in our churches every single day. The, uh, and the number of people 
that uh, actually received Christ while we were out doing outreaches is 172. So 172 people now are believers in Christ because we're going out into the communities and sharing the gospel with them. We have done 53 baptisms this year. Uh, we have given out this little blue Bible, as I showed you, 4,645 of these Bibles. We offer them as a free gift. We don't make people take them, but we offer them as a free gift. So over 4,500 people wanted a Bible. And, and you guys have helped us do that. And then these wristbands as well that help us explain the gospel. We have given out 9,402 of these wristbands to people and praying with them. We give this wristband to people that ask for prayer. So as we go, we're just simply engaging the community and we're saying, how can I pray for you? And as people allow us to pray with them, we give them this wristband just as a token of remembrance that we prayed together. And here's a fun fact. I love that we had the children up here today. We have had 937 children equipped to share the gospel. And many of them have gone into their local schools and, and where they are and shared the gospel with other children. So we have seen a great explosion with youth across the state. Now, nationally, um, the, the 2017 numbers is that 11,614 individual people were equipped to share the gospel. So we have trained over 11,000 people how to just simply go and share the gospel. Because that's really what our mission is. Our mission is to share with individuals just like you just a very simple, practical way to share your faith and tell others about Jesus. That's what our mission is. For me personally, what my role is with Revive Ohio is I'm the front runner and they're asking me to go and make new connections with new counties. We don't call a place up and ask if we can have revival. They call us. And I'm the first responder, if you will. And so I'm busy every single day traveling and meeting with pastors and congregation members and board members and uh, spiritual leaders and communities and mayors and judges and city officials. We're meeting with all kinds of people in the community, and I'm doing that every single day across the state of Ohio. Right now, um, we're going to be in Champaign County. We're having our first uh, come-and-see night tonight. We're also working with... Um, about six other counties right now in Ohio, and it's about a six-month process that we work with them. So I just want to say thank you to all of you for your support, for your love, and most importantly, for your prayers. They help us keep going, and they cover us, and we can't thank you enough for your generosity. Thank you very much. Before you go, Mark, uh, two things I want to share. The Revive, Mark Bird with Revive Ohio is one of our missions that we are supporting this month. As you know, we're doing things a little different here this year. Um, and so we've already committed a gift to them out of our, our benevolence fund. Or, and, uh, but if you would like to give above and beyond that, um, simply just mark any gifts. You can put it right in the offering plate. Just mark it at, towards the, the Revive Ohio, and, and that will be added to the gift that we are already giving them and have already committed to them this month. Um, so I just want to know that, that wanted to let you know that that option is available for you. Um, in addition to that, I know even more than financial support, you support, you, you covet our prayers. I know every missionary that comes always says, you know, we pray for us, pray for us. So how can we be praying for you in Revive Ohio? 
Yeah, uh, the, the biggest prayer request that we have is discernment because we are literally getting so many invitations. We really need to seek the will of the Lord of which ones to go to next, honestly. Um, it's a really neat thing. There's just so many needs in our nation, but in our state and our communities here locally. There's so many needs and people are just crying out and they're saying, help us learn how to make a difference in our community. So uh, our biggest prayer request would be for discernment of that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'd love to pray for you and your ministry right now, as well as our other needs that we have before us today. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Mark and, and his family that is here today and, and the ministry that they are doing through Revive Ohio. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon them. Uh, Lord, we pray for provision. We pray that you would provide uh, financially, um, materially, Lord, for their needs as they continue to serve you by by reaching out into our own communities here in Auglaize County as well as around the state of Ohio. And I also pray, Lord, that you would provide for them spiritually. I pray you'd strengthen them, uh, strengthen their hearts, strengthen their minds. Give them the endurance and the courage and the faith they need to continue seeking you out and pursuing the calling you've placed on their lives. And Lord, we do pray right along with them for their discernment, that you would give them wisdom about what direction to go um, with all the requests that they have, all of the phone calls that are being made. I pray that you would give them insight into what your will is so that they may pursue that, Lord, um, in your timing and in your in your way, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that as the result of their faithfulness, the result of their ministry, many people, Lord, would come to know you. I pray that you would use Revive Ohio to draw people to yourself so that they may know you as Lord and Savior and grow in their faith and then pass that same faith, share that same gospel with others as well. Lord, we also lift up our other other concerns that are before us today. Lord, we are we are saddened by yet another school shooting in the news. Uh, we pray for your peace to be made known. We pray for for comfort and for healing for that community and those families who lost loved ones. And Lord, we pray that a day will come soon when we don't have to hear about these things anymore. That we don't have to um, continually pray for another school shooting and another mass shooting. Lord, we pray for your peace to be made known and, and all violence to be, to be put to an end um, and your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Lord, we also pray for the concerns that are, the, that are represented through the names on our, in our bulletin. We pray for your healing. We pray for your provision. We pray for your strength, Lord. Whatever is needed in those situations, we pray that you would provide. And we trust all of them to your good and perfect will. We're praying all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You're welcome. Uh, those helping with the offering, I invite you to come forward at this time.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders from them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Poseidon, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And now, if you're able, please remain standing and join us in singing hymn number number 286, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds.
Men, you may be seated. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you that on this day on Pentecost, we remember your spirit coming down on your people. And I pray now that your spirit would move in this place and that we would have uh, ears that are open and, and eyes to see your goodness and hear your word today. And we pray that your spirit would give me words to speak. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Allie and I love to go camping in the summer. It's one of the joys that we have, one of the things we like to do to spend time together. Uh, this is not my point, but side note, camping is a whole lot easier without children than it is with, that is for sure. Um, but we still enjoy it. But I remember before the days of kids, uh, we would always go camping, especially with a, a friend, some friends of ours from college that were living in Kentucky at the time. And so we'd always meet up either in Kentucky or somewhere in Ohio and, and just spend the weekend together. And the best part about that, in my mind, was the, the sitting around the campfire and just spending hours just burning stuff, right? It's just, just, just playing with the fire, seeing, I remember uh, my friend's name is Kellen. We would just see how hot we could get the fire. You know, a lot of times we're at those campgrounds with those metal fire rings and you could just see if you get the metal to start glowing in the dark, right? Um, and, and many times we'd get that fire and, you know, we'd, we'd burn as much wood as we can and keep it going that in the morning there was still a very hot bed of embers, bed of coals there in the fire pit, and it would take practically nothing to get the fire started again the next day so we could just start the whole process over again. It made me, and, and, and I've heard this story one time, our, our, you know, our community is like that. As, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are like that bed of embers. We keep each other going. We keep each other hot. We keep each other on fire. But what happens when you take one of those coals away? What happens if, if we were to take a, a, you know, the fire poker, the stick, right, and, and, and separate one or two of those coals away from the rest of the fire pit? Well, pretty soon they would die out, wouldn't they? Pretty soon that one coal that has been isolated from the rest is going to lose its heat and it's going to die out. See, that's what happens. That's the effect of isolation on, on, on Christians. We need each other. We need the support and the encouragement and the strength that we get from one another. Because that's what's going to keep us going. That's what's going to keep us focused on our faith. That's what's going to keep us strong and, and, and motivated to follow the Lord. But as soon as we separate ourselves, as soon as we, we, we quit fellowshipping with one another, as soon as we neglect um, encouraging and strengthening one another, we begin to die out like that coal that has been isolated. But if we were to take that coal and set it right back into the bed of embers, if we were to put it back in the fire pit, what would happen? It immediately heat back up and immediately come back to life. And that's what happens for us as well. You see, I believe that, that our sin, our, our, the enemy wants us to be isolated. Our sin, just by its nature, removes us from fellowship. It, it, it strives to isolate us. Proverbs 18.1 and the ESV says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Think about what happened in the Garden of Eden after that first sin, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one thing God had forbade them to do. They hid, didn't they? 
They immediately realized their shame. They immediately realized what had happened. And so they tried to hide themselves from God. Their fellowship with him had been broken. And the first thing that the, the first result of sin was to separate themselves from their creator, to separate themselves from the Lord. And that even happened within their own relationship as well, right? Adam blames Eve for, for his sin. Eve blames the serpent, right? There's this discord and disunity even within their own relationship. That's the effect that sin has. That's what sin does. It wants us alone. It wants us to be isolated. But why is that? Why does the enemy want us to be, um, why, want us to be alone? Why does he want us to neglect true and authentic Christian fellowship? It's because we know that forgiveness and healing happens in community. It takes place when brothers and sisters in Christ dwell together in community and they seek the Lord together with one heart and one mind. Psalm 139 is this wonderful story of of David, right? And And he says, where can I go from your presence? He's speaking about the Lord. Where can I flee? Wherever I go, your spirit is there. It's actually a great passage for Pentecost Sunday, right? Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? Can I go up to the highest mountains? Can I go down into the depths? No matter where I go, God, you are there with me. And the result of that, his, the final conclusion of his prayer, excuse me, the final conclusion of that psalm is a prayer. And it's that God would know him. That God would search his heart. Excuse me. It says, I have... Search, excuse me, sorry, in verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, his realization that, that no, no matter where he goes, the Lord is there. Once he realizes that that is what God desires is to know him and to, to be in a relationship with him, it leads him to pray and ask God to know his heart, to remove those things that get in the way of that relationship to clear all those things out so that he can be led in the way everlasting, so that he can have true fellowship with the Lord. And as a consequence of true fellowship with the Lord, true fellowship with others. You see, that's what connects us as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what makes the difference, is that relationship with the Lord that we all have in common. It's that one thing that unites us beyond any other differences we may have. And it's what can bring healing and forgiveness when someone is struggling. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul writes, Bear one another's burdens so that you may fulfill the law of Christ. That's what it means to love each other as Christ loved us, is to bear one another's burdens, to support each other, to encourage and strengthen one another. And when that happens, we're able to find forgiveness and healing. But isolation does something else to us too. It makes us ineffective for ministry. It makes us ineffective in, in, in God's calling on our lives. See, we can't serve God if we're, if we're all on our own. I mean, we can, right? We can, God, God, make, God can use each one of us individually, but He uses us best and He uses us most effectively when we bind ourselves together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we support each other and encourage each other. That's when true ministry happens. That's when we make a strong impact for the kingdom of God is when we work together. Right? I love how that Mark's here with us today with Revive Ohio. And, and he would be the first one to stand up here and say that, that they can't do what they do without the support and the encouragement of churches like ours throughout Ohio. 
It's only by working together, by supporting each other, by strengthening each other, that ministry, true, effective, kingdom-impacting ministry can happen. Because it's God working in and through us together that that takes place. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that we are the body of Christ. Right? We all work together as one. We're not separate individuals, right? We're meant to work together to strive for his kingdom. In this passage we have before us today, Paul and Barnabas on their return trip back through these cities. That's exactly what they're doing. They're returning back the way they came on this, on this missionary journey in order to strengthen and encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ in these cities that they, that they had been through previously. They're returning back the way they came in order to follow up with the, with the people in that city. Excuse me, the people in those cities. And you see, this follow-up this follow up with these brothers and sisters in Christ was worth it because it meant strengthening those churches and ensuring their continued ministry. But it was also a risk for them to take, wasn't it? Think about Paul and Barnabas' previous experiences in these places. It wasn't easy for them. Paul, we read about last week, was stoned within an inch of his life, right? In the other cities, they'd been run out of town in fear of, of, their, of their safety. And yet Paul and Barnabas willingly risked their, their lives in order to return back and strengthen those brothers and sisters in Christ. It's important, and we need to, to do that. What does it look like to strengthen and encourage one another to, to continue in the faith? Excuse me, it says remain true to the faith. It means that we, it's, it's more than just a, hey, how you doing on Sunday mornings, right? It's more than just the superficial fellowship we, we get when we see each other in the grocery store or wave at each other as we're walking on the street. True, authentic Christian fellowship is so much more than that. And actually, we get a glimpse of what that looks like on the day of Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, this is the day that the Spirit came and Peter preached his first sermon and, and many uh, people came to the Lord that day. This little, gives us a little glimpse of what true, authentic Christian fellowship looks like. Beginning of verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, there's four key things there, four key elements of what true, authentic Christian fellowship looks like. And that's teaching, it's fellowship, it's the breaking of bread and prayer. See, these are critical to strengthening and encouraging one another. It's about, about seeking the Lord together. It's about praying with and for each other. It's about studying God's Word together and encouraging each other, not just to hear it, but to live it out. See, that's what makes the difference. That's what, that's what we're called to do. And we're called to do it with and for each other. To build each other up, to encourage each other, to exhort each other. Because we can't do those things on our own. In fact, there's, there's 59 different times in the New Testament when, when Christians are instructed on how to treat one another. 
You can call them the one another's of Scripture. 59 different times. Actually printed all of them out today. It's on four, four different pages. There's a lot of them. And obviously I'm not going to stand here and read them all for you. But a few of them. Be at peace with one another. There's one that's repeated multiple times. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking and and envying each other. Encourage one another. Build each other up. These are all positive things we're meant to do for each other. And so to strengthen and encourage means that we live these things out. It means that we we fulfill the law of Christ by, by carrying each other's burdens and by supporting one another. There's really kind of three main categories that they can fall into. And it's unity, love, and humility. Think about that. Being defined as a body of Christ by those three things. Unity, love, and humility. I'd love to be known for those things, wouldn't you? I, want, I would love for people to look at First Church and think, there's a body of believers that are defined by love, defined by unity, and defined by humility. Those are the kinds of things that can make a healthy church thrive and, and, and draw people in as well. But you know what's not listed in these verses? What are some of the one another's that we sometimes do for each other that aren't here? It doesn't say that we are to humble one another. It doesn't say that we're to scrutinize one another or pressure one another. It doesn't say we're to embarrass one another or corner one another or interrupt one another. It doesn't say we are to defeat one another or sacrifice one another or shame one another or marginalize one another or exclude one another or judge one another or run one another's lives or confess one another's sins. Those things are not going to lead to good, authentic Christian community. Those sorts of things aren't meant to build each other up, but to tear each other down. Instead, we're called to love and humility and unity. And when we do that, we will be encouraging one another to strive to know Christ and to serve him. But notice Paul here, there is one thing that Paul mentions in this Acts chapter 14 passage, and that is hardship. You see, hardship was the norm for the early church, not the exception. Right? Jesus said things like, take up your cross and follow me. And John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. See, it may be very far removed from our normal Christian experience here in the United States. We may not understand hardship like they understood hardship. Or even hardship like many people around the world endure for the sake of Christ. But we do go through hard times. We do go through difficult things. Whether it's health issues, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's the ridicule of family and friends or coworkers for deciding to follow Christ. And I want to encourage you today, like I believe Paul would encourage us, don't waste your hardship. Don't waste it. Allow God to work in and through it for your good and for his glory. See, there's two different responses we can take to hardship. We can just grin and bear it, think, well, this is the way life is, and I'm just going to have to get over it. Or we can respond by saying, God, what are you doing in and through this situation? 
God, how can you work in my life in such a way to, for my good and for his and for your glory? See, that totally changes your attitude and your perspective. When you go through hard times, it's no longer about woe is me and how could this possibly happen, but it's God. You know, I may not know why I'm going through this. I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to trust that you can work through it. I'm going to trust that you can still use this for my good and for your glory. See, that's why we get passages like James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Excuse me, does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given who has given to who he has given to us. So you don't waste your hardship. Allow God to work in and through it in order to produce those sorts of things in you, to strengthen you and to encourage you. See, we need to be reminded of that because when we go through hardship, we feel like we're all alone in it. There's no one else in the world who could possibly know or or understand what I'm going through. But God puts us in a body of believers. He surrounds us with family and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who can support us and encourage us and say, I, I've been there. I may not be in the exact situation, but, but I can pray for you. I can lift you up. I can support you. And that's what we need in those times. Another aspect of the support and encouragement that Paul lays out here is the, he appoints elders and spiritual leaders to care for the flock. See, elders are, are often described as shepherds in Scripture. First Peter chapter 5 describes elders in this way. To the elders among you, I appeal as fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as, God's, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I'm so blessed to work with a great group of elders that we have here at First Church. People that, are, that care deeply about this church and the people here. And that's what true spiritual leadership is about. It's is about caring for. It's about protecting. It's about guiding. It's about serving. That's what spiritual leadership is about. I believe they have a heart for that. And that's why having people in those positions is so important. Spiritual leadership provides stability and consistency and accountability within the church. Remember when I first was interviewing for, for this position, I remember asking about, you know, the elders and, and how that all works together. And I asked, I said, are, you know, are we, are we a group that works together or is this, or is this something where I would expect to, you know, be expected to be the one and only guy up front? And, and, and the answer I got was very encouraging. You know what it was? We work together. We work together and support each other and we pray for each other. That's what's needed. 
See, when, when we're able to do that, when a church is, is able to work together and there's people in place that are care deeply and pray for and serve the church, then good things happen. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were setting up here in this church. And that's what we need to have as well. But there's, there's formal spiritual leadership like elders and trustees and deacons and whatever positions you may have, pastors. But there's also the informal spiritual leadership that takes place. Those one-on-one relationships, those small groups that gather together for prayer and encouragement, there's spiritual leadership that takes place there. One of the things I love about Revive Ohio is that commitment to connect people with disciple makers, to connect people with local churches. You know, I've heard of plenty of, of revival type ministries that kind of, they show up in town, they stay for a week and then they go. And good is, is, is often done in those cases, but there's no follow-up that takes place. Revive Ohio, on the other hand, and other ministries like that, they're committed to, to not just showing up and then leaving when the, when the revival's done, but committing to equipping people to continue to build those relationships, to find mentors, to find a local church where they can get plugged in and stay, because they understand that spiritual leadership is important. We all need someone that we can look up to. We all need a Paul in our lives that we can, we can strive to be like, that, that we can learn from, that can pass on their wisdom and experience to us. As Mark Twain once said, right, we don't live, we, we need to learn from other people's mistakes because we don't live long enough to make them all ourselves, right? And so spiritual leaders can, can often pass on that wisdom that they have gained. But you know what? We can be spiritual leaders too. You can be a spiritual leader. You can have a Timothy of your own that you can pass on your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge. Because spiritual leadership is simply about pointing people to Christ, about loving people, about serving people. And that can be done whether you have a formal title of elder or not. We can all serve one another. It's about loving each other as Christ loved us. And notice here as well the importance of prayer in this whole process. To pray for our leaders, to pray with our leaders, for our leaders to pray for us. Prayer is integral to encouraging and supporting one another. John 17 is, a, is the high priestly prayer of Jesus in which he prays for his disciples and for the people who would come to know the Lord through them. And Paul even asks for people's prayers. Romans 15.30 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. We join people in their suffering. We join people in their struggle. We join people in their ministry and in their joys when we pray with them and pray for them. Prayer is such an important part, you know, and it's often the most neglected thing we do. To simply pray for the people we care about. Prayer, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, another source of encouragement is simply to share what God has done. Telling people about the work that you have seen God doing in your life, in your church, in your community. That's what they do when they return back at the end of this passage. They share the work that God had done in and through them about how God had, had extended the faith to the, even the Gentiles and they celebrated the kingdom coming. Psalm 105 verse, verse 1. 
encourages us, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. We see that passage, we see that instruction over and over again in Scripture. Tell all that God has done. Proclaim his works. Share with the people all, all that he's accomplished because he's good and he's faithful. And what he's done in the past, he will continue to do in the future. Sharing your testimony can be a scary thing, can it? If I were to like randomly pick one of you and say, invite you forward and say, share with us for a few minutes about what God is doing in your life, I'm sure I'll get a few, more than a few deer in headlight kind of looks, right? But it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It doesn't have to be a Damascus Road type of experience, right? And it doesn't have to be from the pulpit. Sharing what God has done is as simple as saying, this is what God has been up to lately. Here's what he's been teaching me. Here's what I've been learning. Here is how I've seen him work. And that can take place in normal, everyday conversations. Share with others because it has the power to strengthen you and the one you share it with. And I believe it's so important because we have leaky memories, don't we? We forget we forget how God has worked in the past. We, we forget the ways that he's been faithful. And so we need to be reminded. We need, to be, we need people to point us towards Christ because our eyes often wander. And when we share what God has done, when we share those sorts of stories and, and, those, and those acts of God in our lives, it points us back to him. It focuses our eyes back on Christ. Because God is consistent. If He's been faithful in the past, He will give. He will continue to be faithful in the future. See, that's what we do when we celebrate communion, isn't it? We remember God's salvation. We remember what He's done in the past, what it, and, and therefore what it means for us today, and the hope that we have for the future. We need to be reminded. We need to find ways to remind ourselves. Like I said, it doesn't have to be extraordinary. It doesn't have to be preaching a sermon from the pulpit. It's that everyday commitment to knowing the Lord and sharing our experiences and sharing our knowledge and sharing our hope with each other. I think there's no better picture than what Moses gives us in Deuteronomy chapter 6 of what this looks like. Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, the point that Moses is making here is that that we're not meant to just confine our talk about God to Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.15 if you're listening on the radio. It's meant to be an everyday, all-day kind of experience. As you go about your life, as you're with your family, as you're at work, as you're sitting down for a meal, talk about what God is doing. Talk about how He's been active and working. Talk about the answer to prayers that we often forget to even mention. And when we do that, when we find ways to share those things with each other, it builds us up. It encourages us. It strengthens us in a way that, that, that helps us to keep going. Because, you know, especially in today's world, as we, as we go about our lives, we need that encouragement. We need that support. 
One hour on Sunday morning just isn't going to do it. We need each other each and every day. So I encourage you to find ways to live that every day. Find ways to, to, to encourage and pray for each other. Find ways to, to create authentic Christian fellowship within your homes and within your communities. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you have poured out your spirit on us and that it unites us together in a common purpose to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I pray that you would strengthen us to do that and I pray that you'd give us ways to do that together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand in closing sing number 405, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.